Hi, my name is Autumn Dixon, and this week is May 2nd through the 8th, and we are going to be in both Exodus and Leviticus. Now, for this video, I want to be talking about the Day of Atonement, which is a festival that was celebrated by the Israelites to help them remember Jesus Christ. Now, this Day of Atonement, all of the order of how things are supposed to happen, it is all laid out in Leviticus 16. So reading Leviticus 16 might be a good way to prepare for this video. I'm not going to be reading any verses out of Leviticus 16 because there's not really any one verse that try, that teaches the principle that I am trying to put across. So even though I'm not going to be reading any verses, I do want to talk about what Leviticus 16 teaches about the Day of Atonement. So here's a really quick rundown of that day, the Day of Atonement. And I'll be leaving out a couple of details, <laughs> but I'm trying to teach a very specific principle. So, Day of Atonement. There is a high priest at this time that we're reading in Leviticus. It is Aaron. So there's a high priest, and the high priest is supposed to go and sacrifice an animal so that the high priest can be cleansed of their sins. This high, this high priest then brings two goats, and he casts lots to find out which, ghost, which goat is going to play which role, because there's, there's two different things that these goats have to do on this day. The first goat is sacrificed for the sins of the Israelites. It just gets killed according to the normal sacrifices. Now the second goat is a little more interesting. So the second goat, the high priest, lays his hands on the second goat and basically confesses all of Israel's sins onto this goat. And then they release the goat into the wilderness far away from the Israelites. So the sins are all being taken away by this goat. Now, like I said, there's a lot more details. And these details are all really, really incredible. Because so many of these details are incredibly symbolic that can teach us about Christ. However, I wanted to highlight just just three things in order to get a point this get my point across. So essentially the high priest who sacrificed an animal, and then the first goat and then the second goat. Those are the main three ideas that I want to be talking about. So normally when you are reading in a parable or reading the Law of Moses, different objects or beings, different animals, different people, all of them represent different people. So for example, Abraham and Isaac, Abraham represented Heavenly Father when he went to go sacrifice his, son, his only begotten son, Isaac. Isaac was representing Christ. So different people represent different things. This is not so with what I want to be talking about for the Day of Atonement. Even though I'm sure there's a million layers of symbolism in this Day of Atonement, one of these layers <laughs> is interesting because pretty much everything represents Christ. So, for example, the high priest represents Christ. And that's why Aaron had to go and sacrifice an animal for his sins and for the sins of his household so that he could be totally clean because he needed to be completely clean in order to represent the Savior Jesus Christ for the Israelites' estate. The first goat also represents Jesus Christ. <laughs> so the first goat is slain according to the traditions and that first goat with that sacrifice, it cleanses the sins of the Israelites' 
Now, what's really, really interesting about this concept of both the first goat and the high priest representing Christ is that the high priest, who symbolizes Christ, sacrificed the first goat that represents Christ. Now, what's interesting about this is this highlights the fact that Christ Christ sacrificed himself. This was not forced upon him. He chose to do this in order to pay for our sins because he loved us. Now, here's where things get really, really interesting. So the second goat also represents Christ. The second goat that has often become known as the scapegoat. They put all their sins on this goat and throw them into the wilderness, takes the effects of the sins away, takes the sins away from the people. That second goat also represents Christ. Now, what's really, really interesting about this to me is why were these sins taken away from the Israelites two different times? Because remember, the first goat was sacrificed in order to cleanse the people, to get rid of the sins, to pay for the sins. The second goat also took the sins away from the Israelite people. So why was this done twice? There was only one atonement <laughs> that I know of. <laughs> There's only one atonement. And why was it done in different ways? Now, the first goat, it's really, really easy to understand the first goat. The first goat was just killed and paid for the sins of the Israelites. And it was that simple, right? Christ suffered and died for our sins. Very easy symbolism there. Now, when Christ suffered and died for our sins, he paid for all of our sins. So regardless of whether we accept him or not, or whether we accept the atonement or not, regardless of whether we repent, Christ paid for all of those sins. And this is actually precisely what makes the second goat also make sense. When I... Because... Christ paid for all of the sins, but not all people choose to let go of their sins. So when I look at that second goat, I am not seeing a representation of the atonement. Even though it's powered by the atonement, I'm actually seeing a representation of repentance. Okay, so we see the first goat pay for all the sins, and then the people had to confess their sins upon this goat and release the goat right? They had to give that sins, those sins over to this representation of Christ so that Christ could take those sins away. It is not representing the atonement. It's representing repentance. And now, so when we look at it in this sense, the day of atonement is so incredible in how it represents our beliefs because we believe that we are saved by grace. We believe that we are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, that he paid the price for sins. We also believe in the mandatory nature of commandments, right? We're supposed to keep the commandments and we're supposed to repent in order to go to heaven. And both of these coexist. And the Day of Atonement represents this really, really awesome. So to further explain, we are saved by grace. There is no debt hanging over us. Christ already paid the debt of our sins. A long time ago, right? So regardless of whether you repent, those sins were paid for. The price from those sins was already paid for. The sin that you just committed in your head with a bad thought, Christ already paid for it. The sin you are going to commit tomorrow, Christ already paid for it. There is no debt. Christ paid the full price. It's all gone. 
There is no more price to pay because there is no more debt. Christ paid it. That's the end. That's it. Does that mean that we automatically get to go to heaven? No, because we still believe in the mandatory nature of commandments. So even if you don't repent, Christ still paid that price. But in order to go to heaven, we still believe that we have to keep commandments and repent. Keeping commandments and repentance is a requirement, even though it doesn't pay the price for the sins. Now, I want to explain this really, really simply to better highlight what I'm trying to say. So let's say that your dad buys you a ticket to a fun little carnival. You're a child again, <laughs> or an adult, whatever you want to be. Dad buys you a ticket to the carnival, and he tells you that you have to do your chores in order to go to this carnival. Now, you doing chores does not pay for the ticket. There's no money there. You doing your chores does not pay for the ticket. And it does not pay dad back for paying for the ticket. Dad bought the ticket. There's no more debt. Dad already paid for it. However, dad can still require you to do your chores in order to go. <laughs> and in this little parable, there's no refunds. If you choose not to do your chores, if you choose not to do what dad has asked, you don't get to go to the carnival, but that ticket was already bought. The Day of Atonement is so awesome in the fact that it shows this first goat that was completely slain for the sins of the people. All of those sins were paid for. But there's a second goat that also represents Jesus Christ. And the people were meant to confess their sins and to give their sins over to Christ so Christ could take them away. We have to give them to Christ. We have to repent. We have to give them over to Christ. Now, this whole concept, the whole idea of grace and commandments, it would be really, really interesting if the Israelites missed the memo that this was all meant to represent Christ. Maybe not interesting. It would be really sad, honestly, if the Israelites completely missed the memo that this, this was all supposed to represent Jesus Christ. So an Israelite looks at the first goat. The goat is slain. And that Israelite's, okay, my sins are paid for because that goat died. And then the second goat is given all of the sins and released in the wild. And he's like, now I'm really good because that goat just took away my sins. It's kind of silly, right? It's very silly. It's idolatrous to think that these goats paid for the sins because they didn't, right? <laughs> that is something that other religions do, right? They other There are other religions that believe that sacrificed animals can appease the gods and take care of things. Now, I can't speak for the Israelites in saying whether they were able to fully grasp the idea of Jesus Christ. There are some other memos that they kind of missed along the way. So I can't speak for the Israelites. But like, let's look at, let's look at us. We know better, right? When we partake of the sacrament, we know that it's not eating the bread and water that is actually cleansing us. We know that when we are baptized... That's not actually what pays for our sins. We know that when we keep the commandments, that is not what is paying for our sins. We know that, right? <laughs> now, I want you to think about this in a different way. So let's say you take the sacrament, but you take it unworthily. Does the sacrament still cleanse you from your sins? No, because it's not about the bread and water. 
If you are baptized because you feel super pressured, you're forced into it, you don't even like the church, you don't believe in it, nothing, you don't even believe in Jesus Christ, is that baptism going to do anything for you? No. If you keep the commandments because you like people to think you're very righteous, is that going to do anything for you? No, because these things aren't what save us. The goat doesn't save us. (laughs) It is Christ that saves us. So the goats were meant to point the Israelites to Christ so that they could fully appreciate Christ so that their faith in Christ could save them. All of these things that we have been asked to do by Christ were meant to point us to him so that he could save us. And this is really, really important because I think we believe this in our heads sometimes, but it doesn't always go to our hearts. So we have this whole spectrum of people who believe in their heads that Christ paid for their sins, but don't necessarily believe in the heart. So on one side of the spectrum, we have people who are patting themselves on the back. They are keeping the commandments. They're modest. They always wear their garments. They don't drink alcohol, so they're good to go. They get to go to heaven because they're keeping these commandments, so they're all set. On the other side of the spectrum, we have people who can't let go of their sins, who can't hand them over to Christ. Now, this is really, really interesting because there are lots of people out there who keep the commandments, but they are still so depressed. And it's because they're placing their faith on dead works. They're placing their faith on commandments, not on Christ. They're placing it on their ability to keep the commandments. They're placing their faith on the goat. They are placing their faith on an idol. None of those things can save you. Only Christ can save you. Now, the reason that the Lord gave us all of these commandments and standards is because they point us to him. They help us build the faith that we need to be saved by him. There is a sweet spot. (laughs) There is a sweet spot on this spectrum where we gain this deep and abiding testimony that Christ has paid for our sins already. When you really actually believe that all the way down in your heart, that is when you find heaven. It's not when you're just keeping the commandments. That won't do anything for you. There has to be a deep and abiding testimony in your Savior, Jesus Christ, in order to find that heaven. That's why some people are still struggling. They don't feel that happiness, even though they're keeping the commandments, because they... Because they're relying too much on those commandments. You have to rely on the atonement in Jesus Christ. Those commandments are going to help you rely on him. But ultimately, we have to keep it in perspective and we have to know that it was Jesus Christ that paid the price for our sins. He already paid for them. And it is our faith in Jesus Christ that gives us the hope that we can live with them for eternity. That we can be happy. That we can live with our families forever. It is Jesus Christ that is going to bring heaven into our lives right now. I know that Jesus Christ paid for my sins. I know that he paid for your sins. I know that he paid for the sins that we are all going to commit tomorrow. There is no debt hanging over me. It's gone. I don't have to let myself feel weighed down by that debt because it's not real. It's not there anymore. Christ already paid for it. It's gone. I know that me keeping the commandments is meant for me to get closer to him and that he is going to celebrate every step that I take towards him. And he's not going to worry about my mistakes 
because he already paid for it. That's already taken care of. What matters now is how much I can turn to him. I'm grateful <laughs> for that knowledge because I have been able, even though not always, I still struggle sometimes, but that knowledge has given me the ability to feel close to my Savior, to feel close to my Heavenly Father, to be able to be happy and hopeful in the midst of hard things, to be able to bring heaven into my life right now. I'm grateful for my Savior who gave me that knowledge and who made all of that possible so that I could find that hope and happiness. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.